Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. You know, these Wednesday night services, once again, we're just letting the Spirit of God move, kind of a Holy Ghost time together, praying maybe a little bit from God's Word, worship, or whatever. Tonight, I just want to kind of continue from last week and just share a little bit uh, and talking about being filled with all the fullness of God. Paul prayed that, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But last week, we talked about how David attempted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem in Israel Two times. The first time he failed to do so. And the reason why he failed to do so was because they basically took the things of God lightly. Uzzah lost his life in the process of doing so because of the way he was thinking about what was going on. It's very easy for anyone to do that same thing as long as we've been believers to take the things of God maybe lightly as the years go by. And not be as, let's say, gung-ho about really doing things the way God wants us to do things. And taking some things for granted. God doesn't want us ever to take him for granted. And don't get me wrong when I say this. You know, I understand that we have a close, wonderful relationship with our Heavenly Father. And we want to call him Daddy, Abba Father. And that's wonderful. But sometimes you can get to a place that we lose a lot of respect for his presence. You see, they were moving, transporting the presence of God. And they thought that they could just do it the way they wanted to do it. Well, guess what? They found out you don't do that. You don't do that. You do it God's way, not your own way. Now, the second attempt to get it back to Jerusalem was successful. And why was it successful? Because David regained once again a sense of holiness of God, the greatness of God, the power of God, the presence of God being so overwhelming that Look, we do things God's way and not our way. And so once he regained that sense of uh, an understanding of his presence and his holiness, he called for the Levites to come and give him instruction as to how they were to carry the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God. And success, of course, it was achieved because he did it God's way and not his way. Well, what does that tell us? Their thinking was wrong. They took things lightly. They thought they could just do it their own way. As I thought, we could just carry it the way we want to carry it. And maybe I can steady it because I want to steady it and all that. But he found out that that's not how we do things. And God is a holy God. And God says, look, it's got to be my way. And so he warned them and they didn't take the warning. And as a result, they failed. But thank God they had an opportunity to do what? To make it right. Aren't you glad that he's a God of a second chance that can... Enable us to make it right when we do it his way and say we were wrong for doing it our way. We've all been down that road before, haven't we? Absolutely. Well, you and I are carriers of the divine presence 
and the glory of the living God. I know that's hard to hear because we know that we have this glory in jars of clay or earthen vessels. But every single one of us is a carrier of the divine presence and the glory of God. Everywhere we go, we're God's mobile home unit. Everywhere we go, we, he comes with us because he lives on the inside of us. As he said, I will dwell in them and I will walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And what he's saying is, look, it's a new day. I'm no longer on the outside. I'm on the inside. I will enter into you. You will become my temple. You'll be the carrier of my divine presence. And look, at we, we can't really fully understand the depth of that statement because we look at who we are. And when we look in the mirror and you're thinking, I am the carrier of the divine presence of God, of the glory of God in the earth. That's hard to even swallow. It's hard to think that completely through. If it wasn't the Bible, we wouldn't have any understanding as to how that could possibly be true. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure. Oh, hallelujah, what a treasure it is. In earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure. What is it? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's the one that commanded the light to come out of the darkness. And the light, of course, was, was manifest. Well, you and I were in darkness. And thank God he commanded the light to come out of the darkness. And praise God, we were then brought into the family of light, the kingdom of God. And you and I have become the very temple of the living God, the sons and daughters of the living God, the carriers of the divine presence. Well, if they had to be cautious as to how they carry the presence of the Lord in back then, how much more, since it's so much closer to us, are we to be cautious when it comes to carrying the divine presence of God in our lives? Remember, he said, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And I will be a God unto you and a father unto you. And I will dwell in you and I will walk in you. What he's saying is, look. It's a brand new day. You've got a brand new life. You are my vessel now, a vessel of righteousness. You're an instrument, a tool of righteousness in my hand. Your body belongs to me. Your soul belongs to me. You belong to me. I purchased you with the blood of my son. And now you're mine. And the way you conduct yourself, the way you live your life should be in line with what I spoke and said in my word. Amen. This should be every person's goal. You know, what Paul's goal was. I want to know him so intimately. I want to understand the, how he suffered. And I want to experience in my life this glory that's on the inside manifesting, if it were possible, in my flesh. I want to be so consumed by God that everything that's called me is absolutely burned up and nothing is left but God. The divine presence, the fire of God manifesting through my life. But because I, I believe that it's just... Uh, we get to a place of complacency, maybe, and we think we're okay with where we're at. We should never be satisfied with where we're at in God. We should only be satisfied with being dissatisfied because we want to have manifested in us a greater presence of Almighty God. 
We want people to see us as the living epistles of the living Christ, known and read of all men, because we may be the only presence of God they ever see. We want to hold forth the word of life to this generation that we've been called to, because we may be the only truth that they ever see. But praise God Almighty, every single one of us has the opportunity to develop within us the very life of God that he deposited in our lives. And that's why sometimes when I think of people that say, I've, you know, I've been saved and that's enough. That's not enough. You've been saved and that's only the beginning. That's only the starting place. As far as your journey is concerned, as far as your race that you have to run, you're only at the starting gate right then. You want to get to the place you're filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. You want to learn how to be being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. You want to get to a place, praise God, where you begin to understand your rights and your privileges in Christ and the power of eternity he's given you to use his mighty name here to transact business for him upon the earth. We want to be transformed. God wants transformed individuals, not barely getting by, but getting by victoriously because why? He always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. That's what he's looking for in every one of us. Now, before I get to these verses in Ephesians chapter 3, in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, here's what Paul uh, prayed. He prayed that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him and the eyes of their understanding being enlightened to know the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power, his power in us. The power that he used to raise up Christ from the dead for above all principality, power, might, name and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. You talk about a revelation when we say, open the eyes of my heart, open the eyes of my understanding, show me how I have authority here, reveal it to me in a deeper way that I've got authority here upon this earth by using the name of Jesus. And that name must be bowed to by every demonic influence, every power of darkness, every force of evil must bow when I mention the name of Jesus, not because I'm somebody special, but praise God because of that name is to be honored in all realms of life, heaven, earth, beneath the earth, every Everyone realm, in every realm, everyone bows to the mighty name of Jesus. And we're the only ones that have the privilege to use that name. So he's telling these, this church over there at Ephesus, look, you've got to understand your authority. You have to understand the inheritance that you have. You're not a pauper here in this life. You're not a beggar just barely getting on through life. You are a child of the king. You're an ambassador for Christ. You belong to a royal family. And you have the right to use the power and authority of the name of Jesus to transact business for him here, this side of heaven, praise God. And everywhere we go and anywhere we go, praise God, he'll show himself to be more than enough in our lives if we'll just take that bold stand and do what he's instructed us to do. But that was the first prayer in chapter 1. But then we come to chapter 3. And boy, does he roll up his sleeves and really get into it with regard to the miracle working power of God in our lives. Chapter 3, here we have the cause, the force, the driving force behind his prayer. The first, first two verses in verses 14 and 15, let's read them. Look at what it says. For this cause, to this end, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. What an introduction to a prayer. This is the reason why I'm on my knees this is what I want you to see. This is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to understand. Well, what is it, Paul? 
that you want this church to know now. You wanted them to know their power, the authority, and how they could use the name of Jesus. And the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is the greatest of all powers. And we've got the right to use it. It's for the benefit of the church. But what now? Look at the next verse. In verse 16, that he would grant us something. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Is his glory rich? To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. These people are born again, spirit filled people. And he is saying, look, my prayer is that you'd be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. That word strengthened there, it means to be invigorated. It means to wax strong. It means this man on the inside, praise God, can be strengthened. And that's the prayer he prayed for them. Invigorated, empowered. My prayer is that you are in strengthened, invigorated, empowered, and that you wax strong in where? Your inner man. With what? With might. See the word might there? It's dunamis. It's miracle working power. It's not just authority, but now it's miracle working power. That he would take the miracle working power that's been deposited in you and strengthen your inner man with it until you're so invigorated that everywhere you go, you're empowered. Praise God. You are bold. You are quick to stand for the things of Almighty God. Are you struggling out there with something? And we all struggle at times. But if you're struggling with this to overcome that or the other thing, what, you know, and the prayers, a lot of people will say, well, deliver me from that. Wait a minute. What will deliver us from that is by being strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And when this man on the inside gets stronger and stronger and stronger by the dunamis miracle working power that's on the inside, praise God, guess what? then that habit is going to fall by the wayside. Then that addiction is going to fall by the wayside. Praise God, the God on the inside is going to show himself to be greater than, the, than whoever it is that's trying to get to us from the outside. Can you say amen? amen? He wants us strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So our prayer should be, if we're going to pray, Holy Spirit of God, Take me, strengthen me, invigorate me, empower me every morning, praise God. Let it be the, uh, the voice that he hears coming out of our being. Strengthen me, empower me, give me the power, the might. Wax strong in him, in my inner man, so that my inner man is rising up. You know, the strong spirit of man will sustain him in bodily sickness. Did you know that? A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones, Right? So what do we want? A merry heart, a strengthened heart, an invigorated heart, strengthened with the power of his might, with miracle working power on the inside, every single one of us. That's what our desire should be. And that's what he was praying for those people, that they would not be beggarly and weakened on the inside in this man on the inside. Um, John G. Lake said, if you could see the spiritual condition of so many believers, he said, you'd be so amazed and surprised. It'd be looked like they were just like, if you could... Let's say, compared to like a, a, a person, maybe a skeleton, there's nothing but just a little bit of flesh pull up over their bones, a very weakened condition. He says, and that's how most Christians are. If you could see that, he'd show you that's exactly how they are. They don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know what they have in Christ. And they're not praying and allowing the Holy Ghost just to take them and shape them and mold them and impart to them. More and more and more of God because they're not crying out for it. You seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart, is what he's told to us. So he wants us empowered 
by his spirit in the inner man with what? With miracle working power, every single one of us. So what should our prayer be even tonight? Lord, strengthen me with might. Hallelujah, by your spirit in my inner man. That's my cry. Why did Paul want him to know, them to know that? Because that's what he died for. And that's the only thing that's going to make us succeed. To be a carrier of this divine life. We have to know what's on the inside of us to be a proper carry of it. We could walk around full of murmuring and complaining and, and that sort of thing with our head hung low. Or we could rise up, put our shoulder back and stand strong and just say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If you only knew what I look like on the inside. Hallelujah. If we only knew what we should look like on the inside. We'll look at the next verse. How are we going to get to this place where we're filled with all the fullness of God? Well, here it's coming. That Christ may dwell, abide, take up residency in your hearts by faith. That Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith. In this inner man. It means to permanently abide and manifest himself on the inside of us. That Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith. That he would inhabit us. Remember, Jesus said, in my name, there am I. He would inhabit us in such a way as by faith. We say, you're not messing with me. You messing with me? You're not messing with me. You're messing with who's in me. Do you see that? You're messing with who's in me. Who's in me? Jesus, Lord of all, champion, victor over death, over hell, over the grave. You want to mess with that? Go ahead, have at it. But he's already proved himself to be king of kings and lord of lords. And the mighty one was victorious who said, I was alive. I was dead. Now I'm alive. And I, I hold the keys of death, of hell, the grave. There's no greater. There's only one name. And it's in the name of Jesus. That's what he wants. By faith. I believe by faith on the inside. Praise God. He is living his big life in me. And through me. And that's what he wants us to, to know. And that's what he prayed. This was the motive behind his prayer. The driving force behind his prayer. I want you all to know you've got authority in the name of Jesus. That, that transcends all powers on, in heaven, earth, or beneath the earth. And I want you to know that there's something on the inside that can strengthen you. The Holy Ghost in you. He can unre unleash resurrection life inside you to deliver you, to heal you, to make you spiritually strong and make you whole, to stand up against every force of opposition. Praise God. If you'll just give place to him. If you'll just give place. And then he goes on to say, by faith and then be rooted. Look at the latter part of the verse now. Rooted and grounded in love. We're going to get to where, how we're filled with all the fullness of God. Rooted and grounded in love. To root means to stabilize, to make one stable. To ground means to lay a foundation or a basis. So this is our root system. This is our foundation in love. Love is to be the driving force, the motivation behind all the activities of our lives. And we can look in 1 Corinthians 13 at what it talks about when it talks about the love of God and ask ourselves the question, is that's what's driving me? Remember Paul said, look, if you, you could have faith to move mountains, 
You can prophesy. You can speak with tongue of men and of angels. And you can give your body to be burnt. But if it's not motivated by love, it benefits you in no way whatsoever. But if love, the divine agape love of God is the driving force behind what you're doing, praise God. Then you know what? You're somebody. You're going somewhere. And you're making some sound decisions. Not a bunch of just clanging noise. It's to be the motivating force behind all the activities of our lives. What a challenge. Do you know we're going to be judged more so on spiritual things than we are physical things? Do you realize that? All you got to do is go to Proverbs chapter 6 and read the things that he calls an abomination. Remember he said there's six things, seven of them, the seven abomination, deceit, lying, sowing discord among brethren and all that. He said all that, right? Right. He didn't talk about physical sins. He talked about spiritual sins there. He goes, these are the things that he's going to judge us more harshly on. Physical things, he knows our weakness of our flesh. No excuse for it. We got to get things cleaned up. But it's the spiritual things that really he wants us to deal with. Amen. So rooted and grounded in love. And then notice this, the next verse. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. To be filled with all the fullness of God, there is a need for us to comprehend or to perceive with full understanding what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of God's love. And that is clearly revealed to us in John 3.16. It's the scripture everybody knows. God loved the world. That's the breath of God's love. The whole world. Yeah, but what about that one over there? I'm not cons- I don't know about that one over there. How can he love that one over there? You know what they did? He loved the world. The whole world. The breath of his love. We got to have that same understanding that he wants us to love everybody. Amen. Love the world. God so loved the world that he gave his son. That's the incarnation. That is the length of his love. I have to have an understanding of the length of his love. We can't comprehend it. I understand that. But what length, what length would he go? The incarnation. He would leave heaven to come to the earth. That is the length of God's love. To what length would he go? To what length would you go to show love to someone? To what length would you go? Think about it. That's to what length he went. He was having a great time at the Father's right hand. He had his throne. He was full of glory. But the Father needed someone to help us to be saved, delivered, and set free. And Jesus said, I will go. What a revelation. Uh, What a decision that he made to listen for eternity. To identify with man in the hypostatic union of deity and humanity. And that goes beyond our comprehension. We can't really touch any basis with that as far as our understanding. Our finite thinking can't even begin. That's why he's called the unspeakable gift. The unspeakable gift was not given by Santa Claus. The unspeakable gift was given by Father God. And his name is Jesus. The depth of his love 
is the crucifixion. That he gave his only begotten son. That's the crucifixion. He gave him to die in our place. To take our place on that cross and subsequently to, to suffer the wrath of God on our behalf. When we begin to comprehend and perceive with full understanding the length, the breadth, the depth, and then the height of God's love. And if this doesn't make you shout, get a new shouter. When he raised him from the dead, he raised us up with him. His whole goal was to do what? Plant us with him at the Father's right hand. To take us out of the miry clay and not make us just barely getting along Christians, but to seat us beside him in the heavenly places. He raised us up together and made us sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, he would show the exceeding greatness of his loving kindness toward every single one of us. That's the height of his love. Look at the next verse. And to know this love of Christ that passes knowledge. There's no understanding. That you might be filled with a small portion. With a little bit. All the fullness of God. Did he say that? Did he really say that? Did he really mean that? You mean you can be filled with all the fullness of God? You could be a carrier of the fullness of God? You could have in you and I can have in me this fullness of God and we can be carriers of that presence of God in the world today? Oh my, what a prayer we should pray for ourselves. Look at the next verse. This is so mis. Uh, let's say taken out of context, I should put it that way. And also it's misstated and misquoted. Now, everybody's saying now. now. Well, now what? Now that we have a revelation of the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of God's love for us. Now that we have a revelation and we are strengthened with might by his spirit in our inner man. Now he's able unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to or in proportion to the power that worketh in us. Notice it doesn't say that the power that he has there on high, that the power he has at the right hand of the father, but the power that works where? In us, which means it's operative in us. It's activated within us. You see, no matter who we are, where we're at, what we're going through, there is on the inside of us what is called dunamis, which is dynamite. That's where we get the word dynamite from. God's explosive power. But it's, he's waiting for it to be activated in our lives. You see, it, you see when it comes to you yourself, know this. He loves you with that same love, its breadth, its length, its depth, its height. And he loves you so much, he knows what you're going through. Everything is open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Everything. He sees it all. He knows it all. He knows what you're going through. He has the answer. He has the solution to our problem. But the thing is, he's waiting, he's waiting for this. I now know how much you love me. I now know how you will defend me. I know how you will fight for me. And I thank God I could go directly to you. Amen. It's not to go to somebody else. It's to go directly to the throat of God and obtain mercy and find grace to help in my time of need. Because I belong there. He's my father. 
He cares about me. He loves me. And so, Father, open up my eyes to see this truth, this revelation, that I have authority in the name of Jesus, and I'm strengthened with might by your spirit and my inner man. And you know what? I'm now going to rise up and say you're able to do exceeding abundantly, but what I can even ask or think because your power, I'm just releasing it right now in me. I'm letting it go, praise God. I'm just going to let it flow out of my life into the situation. I'm just to believe. you got the hard part to do it. you got to bring it to pass. I just have to believe. I just have to believe you'll shut the mouths of those lions. Because I can't do it. But you are El Shaddai. You're more than enough. I have to believe that when I'm in the furnace, I'm not going to burn. Why? Because you are more than enough. You've got the ability. I just know you're releasing it on my behalf because I belong to you. I know when I stand before the Red Sea and it seems humanly impossible that we could possibly do anything but die or become slaves to the Egyptian once again because they're right behind us. They're trailing us. But praise God, you're more than enough to congeal the waters from one side to the other side and dry up the ground so I can get across. And when my enemy follows me, he will go under because you fight for me. Because you love me. Because you care about me. Praise God. You're a carrier of the divine presence. We're all carriers of the very glory of God. We have this glory in earthen vessels, praise God. And you know what? He has our back. And he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask, all we can think, according to this power that we do what? Activate. And how do I activate it? By believing it by faith. I just believe it. I know it just goes beyond our comprehension. But praise, I, I, praise God, I believe it. And look at the last verse. Unto him be glory in the church. You see how he's going to get glory in the church? Notice, not just for the time of the apostles, but throughout all ages or generations. All ages, all generations, world without end. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're going to pray. You want it? Amen. He says to pray what? We could pray that prayer for ourselves. Father, strengthen me with might by your spirit in my inner man. Because I want Christ to dwell in my heart by faith. I've got a world that's warring against this, but you know what? You're greater in me than what I face in this life. Show me the breadth, the length, the depth, the height of your love that passes knowledge. Praise God. And fill me with all your fullness. Fill me with all your fullness. I empty myself to be full of you, filled with you. I give myself to you. Let's all stand.